This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Everybody wants to know what I would do if I didn't win. I guess we'll never know. So keep your love. I don't get enough of it. Jesus just rose again. Listen to the kids. Welcome to Watching the Throne. A lyrical analysis of Kanye West. My name's Chris Lambert. And my name is Travis Bean and... Oh, God. Sorry. Sorry, Chris. Oof. What's up, Travis? What's is going on? Ever, does this ever happen to you? I'm, I feel like I'm having deja vu right now. <laughs> I, I could have sworn like w- one year ago in the regresses of my mind, we, we did this already, didn't we? We, uh, your mind's not playing tricks on you. We did do this already. Okay. In my dreams, right? That's how deja vu works. Uh, certainly. Yes. Yeah. Okay. You were there? I was there, but it was actually reality too. So do we connect in our dreams? Is this like a Johnny Mnemonic situation? As someone who has never watched Johnny Mnemonic... (laughs) <laughs> I try to work in as many Keanu Reeves references as I can to a podcast. I think I represent the many, many people in the world who have never <laughs> seen Johnny Mnemonic. Yeah, and that's probably for the best, to be honest. Yeah, uh, but, you know, Inception. Oh, this was yeah, not, that's a better example. This is not uh, an Incept. We, uh, a year ago, started our My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy season and got a couple episodes in. We did our like season kickoff episode, mm. which is what this was. We right. did an episode on dark fantasy. I don't think we ever made it to gorgeous. Did we? No, we just did dark fantasy. And then, uh, Kanye did the thing we least expected him to do, which was drop an album. <laughs> yeah. All of a sudden, all the Donda stuff started. <laughs> yeah. And, and that pretty much consumed our lives. Yeah. It threw the whole, my beautiful dark twisted fantasy season into the trash and here we are again and instead of picking up uh, you know resuming with gorgeous and just kind of going forward with it it seemed fitting with how like large donda will loom in the conversations yeah to just start fresh totally yeah um and just like you know we've changed as people in the past year you know uh, we're going to keep revisiting these albums probably for the rest of our lives. And I feel like every time that we do, we're going to bring new perspective to it, especially given whatever Kanye has done in the past, however many years since we talked about the album. And yeah, the whole Donda rollout, everything that happened. I mean, I haven't even like really thought about everything we're going to have to discuss throughout the season and, and all of the new things we learned about Kanye. Yeah. That's going to be nuts. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be exciting times, especially, yeah. you know, as you said, just putting the album not only in terms of where Ye's at currently in his life. And as we record this, I don't know when it's going to come out, but 
he's in New York for New York Fashion Week doing a bunch of New York Fashion Week stuff. Yeah, right. Uh, Yeezy shades. You know, maybe that's a thing that when you're listening to this, you're like, I already have my pair. Or maybe this is a thing <laughs> you're like, when are those coming out anyway? Or <laughs> it's way in the future. Yeah. And you're like, what and, are Yeezy shades? Yeah. What What is this? I should look this up. And it's some random bit of lore that yay fan accounts in the future will just dig up yeah. and be like, you know, in 2022, Yeezy touted Yeezy <laughs> shades for just a little while and then stopped. Or maybe it's like 2032 or something and Kanye's president and Yeezy shades are just like everybody wears Yeezy shades every day. It's it's some uh, doctrine, <laughs> you put it like you, you have to. Right. It's the de facto. Yeah. Like eyewear for everybody. And people look back on this episode as like <sighs> how ignorant we were. <laughs> These fools. They had no idea that Yeezy Shades would take over the world. I really like this image of like, you, you st each day at school, you stand up to say the Pledge of Allegiance and you put your Yeezy Shades on. It's just like, it becomes <laughs> part of the way you start your day. Right. You have your you have your school Yeezy Shades right. that hang at the bottom of the desk mm -hmm. and you hang them before you leave. And then you have your school bus Yeezy Shades and then right. your home Yeezy Shades. Right. Your like movie Yeezy Shades. And uh, all the malls in America play Kanye music over the intercom. Uh, Beautiful. Yeah. The, the bus drivers wear shutter shades. Uh, what, other, <laughs> what other Kanye pieces can I dig up here? I'm curious. Yeah. No, I'll save it for the next episode. I'll keep it going. Okay. Yeah. This is going to be. It'll be a runner. This is going to be your season-long joke, okay? Well, yeah, glad, and everyone's going to laugh the whole time. Absolutely. I'm glad we established it up front. <laughs> yeah, yeah. you want to plant the seed in the first episode. That's how you get people coming back. Oh, it's just narrative structure 101. This is what it means to be a professional podcaster. Yeah, now you know. Uh, welcome to pro podcasting. <laughs> this is pro podcasting. I feel bad for a podcast. <laughs> I know. It's a step up from pod raising, though. That's true. Uh, it's, well, it's a step up from uh, The Phantom Menace is what you mean, which I agree with. Yeah. <laughs> we'll save that for the Star Wars podcast, you know? Okay. I actually like episode one, but that's for another time. I, of the, like, initial trilogy, like, the, what, the prequel trilogy? The prequels, yeah. What's your number one of the three? The Episode one. Yeah, same. I would say Kanye's favorite, though, Revenge of the Sith, is my number two. Yeah, he loves of the prequels. Revenge of the Sith. Uh, it would be my number four of the prequels. <laughs> oh, wait. Oh, so we're including Rogue One? No, I just dislike it so much that I put oh, a gap okay. between <laughs> one, two. <laughs> you just check it at the end. Yeah, uh, yeah I get that. I, 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 would, I get why Kanye likes it, but I, I can't say that it's my favorite. I just, I just so many decisions. I was like, don't do that. You can do it better. You can do it better. You can. Do... Mm. And As now it's another like, so many people grew up with it. They consider it a classic. There's people right now. That yeah. Like, uh... I, uh, I was at a restaurant once and we were talking about the star Wars movies. And one of the waiters, like he wasn't even our waiter. He was just passing by and he overheard and he jumped in to tell us how much he loved revenge of the Sith. And I feel like that's just a, a runner I've seen with a lot of younger people that they really love, which I thought that was so interesting. Like, that is just not the movie I expected people to latch on to. 
Mm -mm. Uh, but yeah, it, it keeps happening. That and Spider-Man 3. <laughs> That's also an interesting one. Although I like Spider-Man 3. So. I know you've come around on it and it almost put an end to this podcast. It's oh. it's more of a, um, I find it lovable as opposed to like, I think it's really, really good. <laughs> I'm shaking my head. You can't Tony see Maguire, it, but I'm got shaking my head. <sighs> he does. Mm. <laughs> okay. I said he has dance moves. Has I didn't dance say moves. they were good. I know. My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Yeah. So <laughs> we recorded those episodes. We're excited to come back to it and give it a, a whole new look. Because when we were having this conversation before, it was going to be in the context of what, like, yay kids see ghosts jesus is king coming out right yeah and that was one of the things that we were excited to talk about was like this album in context of all those albums coming yeah, out right. and now it's like yay kids see ghosts jesus is king and donda like yeah. we have a whole like trilogy plus of yay albums to bring into the context of my beautiful dark twisted fantasy yeah which is really interesting like i was listening to um uh, or watching the Kanye Zane Lowe interview, the first one he did this mm -hmm. morning, because I like to kick off my morning with a little Joseph Kanye. Because um, I, I like to start the day running through a brick wall and thinking I can do anything. So uh, I popped into that interview and he was talking about my beautiful dark twisted fantasy and how like he's like I know how to make perfect. I did that with my beautiful dark twisted fantasy and basically that whole narrative he has where like I made this album for other people and not myself. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting, like you mentioned all those albums, like those feel like such Kanye albums, like he really did make those for himself. So it's really interesting to think of this as kind of like a jumping off point, like he had to get this out of his system. Um, and on top of that, like thinking about some of the songs in this album and how he considered this, like making it for other people, like thinking about songs like Hell of a Life or Blame Game, like these really experimental songs that like very well could have fit on something like Jesus, you know, like they, yeah. they, it, it was almost like it went beyond just like making a radio hit. Like he was making these like legendary pieces of art, like things he knew critics would love. Um, it's just so interesting to think about him in that kind of headspace compared to Donda. Like he's, he's so far removed from that. Oh, the stylistic difference is huge especially we think of this and at the time when this album came out everybody was talking about like the maximalism right right uh there's so much thrown into the production on each of these songs <sighs> and crazy. the song lengths are longer relative yeah. to like a lot of other albums and they're so complicated the songs just kind of unravel they don't really repeat, which is really cool to me. So yeah. you don't really, in listening to this album, you don't really get a sense of like loops that kind of lead one to the next. You almost just get an unfolding of content as each chapter in each song kind of progresses along. Yeah, And I love the sense that it brings, but that maximalism really was in conversation as well with 808s and Heartbreak, which had been right. so at the time people said minimal but it seems kind of funny considering like right how full 808s feels in comparison to where yay got with yay yeah. and kids see ghost and jesus is king and donda i mean the whole period of 808s my beautiful dark twisted fantasy and yeezus people were talking about 
the minimal, the maximal, the minimal of Yeezus. And in hindsight, those albums feel like very. Yeah. They have the full sound, like you're saying. Like, it's not like yeah. even when there's empty space, like there's a lot happening. It's it's an album that really attacks your senses and never really lets you put your guard down, you know? Yeah, just the sense of atmosphere that you get. Like, Runaways, I think, a pretty open song on this album mm-hmm. in terms of just, like, space and yeah. being a little more stripped down than some of the other songs. And it still feels very much like a full <laughs> meal compared to a lot of the Donda It's a nine-course meal. Yeah. <laughs> a meal of minutes, a course of minutes. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I, I love that, though. I, I love that about while i really do like the minimalist places that connie has gone and we, i mean we've talked about it ad nauseum on all of our episodes like the 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 energy he's bringing to songs with that mentality and um the different kind of atmosphere that brings and how it speaks to just his general uh you know the reattachment to to god and everything and him becoming more open and and more internalized but but i i still do love maximalist yay like i love like like you're saying even though jesus is technically minimalist like it's a complete assault and i love that aspect of kanye like he just i think he was describing um because him and zane lowe were talking about on site and how like it shifts from like this abrasive electronic music to that interlude then back to it and Connie's like, that's life. Like you could just be in a car crash all of a sudden and that's how life works. Like that is kind of his mentality at these albums. Like it's just like throwing everything at the wall, like making everything happen and making it all sound amazing. It's it's such an accomplishment. Yeah. And I don't know if we'll ever get this era again, which is fascinating to think about because this felt at the time, I think kind of like peak yay. Mm. Uh, or maybe the new direction he was going to go, which is why everybody was so fascinated by what Yeezus was going to sound like and then yeah. so upset by what Yeezus <laughs> did sound like. But we've we had four albums leading up to My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. And at this point, we've had Life of Pablo, Yay, Jesus is King, like removing the, the joint albums, mm. and Donda. So four albums past My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Wait, no, five albums past five, my beautiful yeah. dark twist of fantasy. So it's weird to think about because when we started the show, it was just the life of Pablo. So you have yeah. my beautiful dark twisted fantasy, Jesus, and the life of Pablo. So my beautiful dark twisted fantasy still felt fresh and new and like it was having a pretty big influence on right. the sound that Ye had. And at this point, it feels so distant which it's is kind so of weird shocking to me yeah like i mean my beautiful dark twisted fantasy in particular because again he he paints it as an album he didn't even make for himself um something he kind of made for the world something for us to stare at and awe and you know erect a, a statue version of it in a museum like it's just something you take in and go like how did someone do this it's crazy um I think that shift away from that kind of sound reflects again, Kanye's mentality. Like he's so far removed from that. Like the kind of sound he's chasing out isn't that. So yeah, it's hard to imagine him doing that again. You, 
I really wonder like what Sadie he would have to get to to make an album like that. Uh, oh, maybe becoming president will do it. <laughs> right. I, it, we see what's fascinating too. You kind of see how antithetical it kind of is to his whole aesthetic. You saw photos of his house that he had in Hidden Hills with Kim and the mm. the architecture that they had for that place that was just so spacious, so stripped down and kind of right. purified. And he's been in love with James Terrell right. and James Terrell's like openness and space and lights. Ah, the more that we've learned about Ye, the more that my beautiful dark twisted fantasy just seems kind of anathema <laughs> right. to the way in which he is kind of, I guess, idealizing things or right. his ideal state of mind. Um, and then I guess some background, I'm sure most of you know some of the details, but you gotta, you gotta give the context. Absolutely that Ye had made 808s and Heartbreak and people weren't necessarily thrilled by it. At the time, it was hit and miss. Despite how popular Heartless was and Love Lockdown, there were still a lot of people clowning on the album. I remember right. I was a senior year of college and all these people were just talking about like Ye's career being over. And I remember articles <laughs> about it. I remember like MTV clips about it, just saying yeah. like a career, like self-destruction by him to make an album where he's mostly singing, barely rapping, using so much auto tune, how ridiculous. And uh, I loved it a lot, but yeah you already had this poor reaction to 808s, which was the first poor reaction Ye had had. College dropout, spectacular reaction. Late registration, spectacular reaction. Graduation is this high point where he defeats 50 Cent in this right. head-to-head -head matchup, sells almost a million copies in the first week. Uh, I think it was, what, 957,000 or something. Mm -hmm. It's just insane how popular that album was and then you, a year later he's dropping 808s and people are calling it like a flop a flub yeah some critics appreciate it but so you already have this mindset of well the next one i'm gonna show them they did it like that right. like they didn't understand that but then on top of that you have the taylor swift debacle which yeah. uh happened what a year ago yesterday oh wow or not a, not a year ago uh <laughs> 13 years ago yeah, 13 yeah 13 years ago i think yesterday or two days ago something um but what do you think taylor swift does each time on that day if she thinks about it at all <laughs> i'm guessing just like looks at her award and looks says, at her man on the like, moon yeah and goes like still got it <laughs> you know i i think she pisses on the man on the moon what <laughs> yeah and then thinks about posting the video and each time has to go like nah i can't oh because Ye did that <laughs> <laughs> legit like legitimately the most shocking thing <laughs> i've ever heard you say it's like one show. of the only moments in the show's history you're like all right we got to cut that an audible like <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, because yay with his with his Grammy. Yeah, Th- this is another moment where future Kanye listeners could be like, Kanye pissed on a Grammy. They can go find the, the clip. Yeah, there's a there's a clip. It's just in the toilet bowl, and he's like, "This is what I think." And he said he was careful to select one that was only his name on it, so uh-huh. as not to disrespect, of course, anybody Although, else. I, I do hope that someday Taylor Swift does do this, and I become people think like I, I see the future or something, <laughs> right? Like uh, Travis <laughs> Bean, really prescient. Or she hears this because we know she's a fan of the show, and she starts doing it. <laughs> that would be. One of the least likely things to ever happen in the history of if humanity. This, if that happened, I would just like, I don't know. I would just realize how much power and control I have and not give a shit about anything anymore. You start like a Nostradamus YouTube channel where you just make <laughs> predictions about things. All Kanye and Taylor Swift related, yeah. <laughs> that would... <laughs> you definitely get some attention <laughs> i don't know if it's the attention that you want or uh, i like, mean sure you got to be remembered for something yeah yeah the the video of you in the straight jacket being <laughs> <laughs> wheeled out of your home would be something uh well okay so taylor <laughs> the taylor swift incident happens where yay at the video music awards goes up interrupts taylor shouts out beyonce uh because he thought beyonce was robbed and it turned out beyonce was winning video of the year so taylor won like female video of the yeah, year that makes which a lot still, of sense like logically i was just gonna say it makes no sense <laughs> i know i was being sarcastic oh okay sarcastic <laughs> sarcastic <laughs> that thing or it's just like if beyonce won like best video like the logic would follow that she yeah but i get it they're like playing politics you don't want to give like one artist all the award yada yada but yeah at the time and we talked about it previously in the show that he had at times called out award shows for like awards he won or didn't win right and there had never been like backlash (laughs) yeah (laughs) until he hurt taylor swift's feelings yeah, that was the the <laughs> optics on that were completely different. So it's when he did it at the European Video Music Awards and Justice won over him. He went up and was like, I spent a million dollars on the Touch the Sky video. That's what it was, right? Yeah. And people are laughing. Yeah, they laughed. They applauded him. It went over great. So when he <laughs> Justice went up, didn't even care. He's just standing there like, yeah, man, go for it. <laughs> yeah, they're like. Sounds good. So when he did that and everybody like freaked out, it had to have been kind of jarring in a sense, because even though you had been controversial for the Bush stuff and some other headlines leading up to that, he had been pretty beloved in the media. Right. Uh, so you have the fallout from 808s. You have the fallout from this Taylor Swift interruption. Yay flees the country and spends time in japan in italy in paris he deep dives into fashion a lot more and is kind of like in the aesthetic of japanese fashion like tokyo futurism in like italy and the high quality aspects of being in the fashion world in italy right and same thing with paris and you just kind of start to get an idea of some of the aesthetic that's infusing him at this time being in those places having a chip on his shoulder from the reaction to 808s and the reaction to the vmas 
And then he goes to Hawaii and just holds holes up in Hawaii for months Hmm. and flies people in, flies people out and just assembles this like super team and ah, makes some of the greatest music to ever be made. I guess that's one thing that actually has seemed to carry over into today, like that practice, like setting up somewhere and just bringing people in and out and kind of like compiling an album before that. I mean, not counting something like college dropout where he was just kind of like on the go making that album. But from there on forward, like he seemed very um, uh, conscious about like who would be on the album, like what it would sound like. there'd be like a streamlined consistent sound throughout but my beautiful dark was a fantasy again like it's throwing everything at the wall like bringing every talented superstar in the world in like let's see what we can put together and just like assemble this collage of of greatness it's it's such a strange it was such a demarcation point for kanye and that has kind of carried over into today especially donda i mean those donda sessions are legendary and all the different people that came in and uh, the fact that Jay-Z's on the album. I mean, it's just, it's crazy um, that, you know, that all started here. Yeah, because 808s was something that they made. They still made that in Hawaii and had yeah. some people like going in and out. But it was something where I f- think it was Mike Dean was telling the story that they were working on stuff for Jay-Z's album. Right. And Ye just in the middle of it was like, hey, we're going to start my album. <laughs> and... <laughs> They Crazy. just spent like a couple weeks really quickly putting everything together yeah. and recording stuff. So it was a much faster turnaround. And it seemed like, I mean, we saw in the Genius documentary how Ye right. put together College Dropout. As you're saying, he was like on the move, like bouncing between Los Angeles, New York, <laughs> sitting in on other people's <laughs> studio time right. and like using it for his own. Um it really does feel like the movie production aspect of my beautiful dark twisted fantasy really drove home the way in which he would just kind of like set up shop in the Mercer hotel for watch the throne. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, Yeezus was recorded in a couple places, but still it seemed like a very similar concept of we're going to bring all these people in hear their ideas, like scoop right. some of them up, drop some of them off and really fine tune. I mean, just look at the end of life of Pablo, everything with the notebook and yeah, right. uh, everybody that came through the studio signing that piece of paper. <clears throat> that was amazing. Yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So and that's the other um, part of my beautiful dark twisted fantasy that where all this began is, you know, Kanye had lost his mother and after getting 808s and heartbreak out of his system, which was a very like painstaking, lonely album, he suddenly needed like a team behind him. He needed people in his life. And this album kind of represents that in a lot of ways, like getting stuff like 
like monster. We hadn't really ever had something like that or so appalled before. Like, sure, we mm-hmm. had gone and stuff, but the energy in these songs is a little different. Like, it, it starts to feel a bit, a little bit more like they're all a unit. Like, they're all part of like Kanye's brand and like this new thing that he's building. And I would say like the energy of those songs is more comparable to like off the grid, you know, like these people that like come into Kanye's life and represent something very specific in his life in that moment, as opposed to gone, which is maybe a little bit more like people kind of just showcasing their talent, you know, kind of doing their own thing. Um, that, that all started now with my beautiful, my beautiful dark twisted fantasy. Yeah. I think back to some of the, he had guest features on things like, uh, two words two words rights um get them high yeah uh we major spaceship yeah but it wasn't quite yeah there's something just like leveled up about yes. how he's bringing them in a monster and so appalled like those were concepts and this is the yes. final form <laughs> right and and especially since like we know like he worked with Nicki Minaj and Pusher T like he's pushing them for something very specific. Whereas I don't think he's going up to GLC and like making him like redo his ver- like GLC is in a class above. He know- he's just going to come in and do his thing. Like something kind of th- there's just some sort of separation that happened there that we continue to see on every Kanye album. Yeah. And I mean, we've talked about it with the purpose of Watch the Throne in a way too that Yay had to reestablish himself in the eye of the public as well and needed to prove not just to others, but to himself too, that he was still part of the industry because there was a lot of talk about Yay being just completely blackballed from the industry, which is wild in hindsight (laughs) because the pop culture and just American culture at this point is so incredibly insane uh, especially, yeah. like, I mean, 2022 politics is just night and day between now and 2009. I, I think about period. that all the time. Jesus. Right. It just media headlines, what gets talked about, how it gets talked about. If Ye interrupted Taylor today, like if today's <laughs> culture was back then, I feel like he would be even more celebrated than ever before yeah. rather than like lady gaga canceling the tour with him the fame kills tour which right. how perfect was that title <laughs> yeah and it, it's the thing like everything about this moment just felt like a movie like it felt like it, it and like in turn kanye made like his most movie like album you know like the narrative that we hear on my beautiful dark twisted fantasy like it's a step above even graduation, which is the first album he had that had like a really clear narrative, like from moment to moment kind of thing. Um, but my beautiful dark twisted fantasy, like it, it, it's a strange, like both a collage and like a straight narrative. Like we see him go through the typical motions we see in like any hero's journey, but we also are watching somebody like go between it's like an everything everywhere at all at once kind of thing you know <laughs> like like he's going between different universes and like f- confronting different kinds of people and he has different personas and it's going through this emotion and that emotion like it's so elevated in a way that like it, it just feels like his reaction to exactly what's happening to him like he's going through this larger than life transformation the the way the world is reacting to him like is so like next level and 
like I can't even fathom what it's like to be in that position. And instead of recoiling, like he reacts even further in the other direction and creates something that that encapsulates all that, captures that energy. And I think ultimately is a huge critique of fame and sure, celebrity yeah. and ultimately American society, which is why he has the Gil Scott Heron yeah. uh, adapts in a way because it's not a verbatim um, performance of who will survive in America, but he makes some changes to it. But having the last track be who will survive in America really puts a bow on the fact that Ye is reacting to something that's not just like, oh, I'm like a an right. artist who's <laughs> living my life. It's like, no, I went through some shit and I have some things to say about it. And I'm going to make this music that reminds everybody why I'm great. Yeah. But also I'm going to show you that other artists still stand by me yeah. that I can assemble these like 40 people to be in the chorus of all of the lights. <laughs> and I'm not just like down and out and rejected making some like yeah. songs with college kids. I can have that's... Elton John and Drake and Fergie in a song. Don't tell me what I can't fucking do. Yeah. Like that's the level I'm still at. <laughs> so there's such a, a slapback on this. Yeah, totally. Uh, which was necessary. He had to come out guns blazing and he called he it did. a backhanded apology, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> his perfect. backhanded apology because he's reminding everybody that they need what he does. Yeah. But it's a, it's also an apology in the sense that like he made it for the world. Like I, I'm going to create something that's so incredible that like, It'll blow your socks off. Uh, but also, I'm Kanye West, and don't forget it. Mm-hmm. I love it. It's It so perfectly captures the album, because while like I get why Kanye doesn't love this album as much as everyone else does, because, again, he made it for other people, he did pour his heart and soul into it. He he made his 2001 A Space Odyssey. Like It's the kind of album that will be remembered forever. Um, and it, it's just... It, it's it's a perfect capture of just his talent as a producer, as an organizer, as a delegator. <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's so incredible to, to have this, even though like, I do like when Kanye makes an album that like he wants to make that is more suited to him. Uh, this album also does just capture like the, the antagonism of Kanye. It's perfect. You hear it a lot with, artists whether it's musicians writers painters oftentimes they're kind of befuddled by their best work yeah, or right. the their most popular work right and the song that's the most popular the album that's most popular the the movie that's the most popular isn't their favorites or is it one that they even necessarily thought was good at the time right and that's not to say that yay he clearly knew my oh, Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy was incredible, but I don't think he likes it all that much in the way that he might <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like Jesus more. 808s, right? Yeah. He talked about power being his like most, what was it? It wasn't like most sellout song. Uh, or most commercial song, something like that. Most commercial song, which yeah. like we listen to power. We're just like, <laughs> what a dynamic. Like You're going to hear me rank it later. I, I think highly of it. Yeah, and just the fact that Ye thinks it's basic. <laughs> That's crazy. 
is just wild because it's anything but basic but to him he's just doing like the simplest stuff he can do and we're all eating it up yeah so it's just funny how all that works and then you had mentioned movie comparisons to everything everywhere all at once uh some of the narrative stuff and uh, as far as i'm aware the theory that we both <laughs> continue to share is that this album takes inspiration in its structure from the wizard of oz of course and that's a a key part to understanding the structure of this album and the idea of my beautiful dark twisted fantasy right you look at the wizard yeah. of oz the story of what's her name again when dorothy dorothy <laughs> uh dorothy is starts in kansas and she's looking at her life in kansas and wants to leave and a tornado comes through and she wakes up in oz this magical world that has flying monkeys and talking lions and all kinds of stuff <laughs> and yeah. she, witches uh good witches bad witches and she goes on this adventure uh that is really triumphant at the end of the day but when she comes home there's this happy ending of her having newfound love for just being home and saying there's no place like home and right. you don't know at the end if oz was real or not there's this little hint that maybe she just passed out from the tornado and had a dream and that's all that it was so Ye's kind of riffing on that idea of fame and celebrity and the life that he's living being this kind of Oz, where the first few songs you start off in Kansas, right? And after Power, you have the transition into All of the Lights, which is now this world of fame and celebrity, Ye's Oz, that lasts from All of the Lights all the way through kind of lost in the world right and when you get who will survive in america it's his version of there's no place like home and this idea that yeah uh, kind of antithesis to dorothy where she's happy to be home yay's looking at it as like no this place is kind of awful isn't it <laughs> and it's going to like maybe end all of us yeah so it's a darker wizard of oz that's um i mean i was sitting here thinking while you were talking and just thinking about Donda and how much of a different place he is in relation yeah. to fame. Like he really, this really was a jumping off point as far because the first two albums, college dropout, late registration, like he's dipping his toes and like he wants fame. And then graduation does this realization of like, Oh, like fame isn't like all that great. Like, <laughs> like I, I love it. I love being famous, but like you sacrifice this, you sacrifice that and you lose this person and that person from your life. Like it's something you're getting used to. Then 808s, I guess that's that's something a little different because you suddenly start to feel alone in the world as you're trying to still figure out this fame thing. And my beautiful dark twisted fantasy is the moment where like it overwhelms you. You can't yeah. handle it. It's too much. The entire world hates me. This is crazy. Uh, so every album from there on out, I think, is him kind of learning, not necessarily to run away from fame because he never does. He's Kanye West. He, he will always be famous. Um, but how to better utilize that fame maneuver within the fame and not just be a slave to fame and what everyone thinks you should do as a famous person he's learning to kind of control his brand and and uh work with people around him and and use his influence to do greater things outside of music even um and, th and thinking of donda like that's totally the place he's gotten to like 
Yep. You almost don't even think of him as a musician half the time. <laughs> he's he's too busy making clothes and furniture and, and easy shades, for God's sake, you know? Yeah. I mean, you could sum up Ye's discography as his relationship to fame. And if yeah. you start to look at each album as a new chapter of him interacting with fame, understanding fame, and eventually moving away from fame, and it suddenly puts a lot of it into perspective. You don't need right. us then to explain <laughs> like <laughs> the albums if you just view it in that way. And you can see it with like My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy really being this tipping point of him wondering what to do with himself and kind of defining what his life has become in a way that he was starting to do on graduation in 808s and especially 808s it's like he's realizing the hollowness of a lot mm -hmm. of what has happened but my beautiful dark twisted fantasy is really him blowing it up to this isn't just me this is the culture this is the industry this is the country and we need to start talking about this and i might need to figure out a way to survive right. in this place if i'm going to make it and you see Jesus being the first rejection of it and totally. every album after Jesus is him like kind of taking another step to this distance of how can I make it so fame or celebrity or this country can no longer have the same power over me that it did during that 808s and my beautiful dark twisted fantasy era yeah it, it obviously his uh his newfound not newfound refound christianity has been a big part of that his relationship with god and finding um something more nurturing and comforting while he goes on that journey um and bring, like shedding some light on what is the darkness of fame um and he kind of he goes through all the motions that i think are typical of that journey like he's really started to get back in tune with god and like the life of pablo and and then even further on Yake and Kitsy goes, and then, you know, fully on <laughs> Jesus is key. And it's just, that's all it is. This progression to Donda that finally feels like a mix of everything. Like it's him really figuring it out and figuring out his place in society, um, carrying out the way his mother raised him. Like he finally feels like he's gotten to this point. I, I, I guess now that I'm saying that out loud, I, I think of Donda that way now. Like it's, it is truly it feels like Kanye's gotten to the point he wanted to get to at the end of my beautiful dark twisted fantasy. Like he feels trapped, uh, lost in America, doesn't know how to survive. And now he's suddenly in the spot where like, you know, if you don't count the fact that he, he feels like he's losing his family. Uh, it just in terms of his, his, uh, status and his place in society and, and how he's controlling his own fame. He, he feels in a much better spot. Yeah. Just that album starting with jail and ending with like, Right. come to life no child left behind this idea of feeling a sense of freedom and you mentioning his rediscovered religion you see the role that god played or Ye's faith played on the college dropout and it disappears a bit in late registration and graduation yeah and by the time we're at 808s and heartbreak it's kind of gone he's self-consumed completely yeah and my beautiful dark twisted fantasy i think the biggest demarcation to the albums 
after my beautiful dark twisted fantasy and the albums before is the role that faith and God and religion plays because even on Jesus, yeah. we talk about how the first song on site has that interlude and the interlude in the midst of that heart, uh, harshness is this gospel interlude that talks about God will give you what you need. It may not be what you want. And that attitude comes back in at the very end of the album with bound two. And you get the sonic match between mm. the gospel sound of the interlude and on site with the gospel sound of the music on bound two. And even during the Jesus concert, yay made sure that he had God come out or Jesus come right. out and have him remove the mask that he had been wearing for the whole performance leading up to that point and made bound to this big revelatory, like light shining down. Jesus comes back out. The interlude played over and over again at the very end of the show. It's just like, he Crazy. introduced yeah, that aspect of God saving him, redeeming him, pulling him out of the darkness on the very next album. And even though we don't think of Ye's like religious rebirth so much in that 2013 to 2016 period, we tend to think of it more so with that 2018, right. 2019 present day. I mean, he really, after this album, when he was looking for a way to survive, turned yeah. back to faith and has just like album after album been finding his voice in that way. And totally. it crescendoed with Donda, not so much Donda too. <laughs> yeah, that right. was a that was a very different tone. Um, but Donda. <laughs> If we can even consider Donda 2 released. Um, I know. we every. I feel bad because I keep talking about it not being released. And then Alex Klein, who created the STEM player with Ye, <laughs> always retweets comments that people say back to me. Like, it released on the STEM player. That's a release. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm like, People of. can have that. For the purposes of this show, it is not released. So let's just put it no. that way. No. Um, yeah, I like, I like what you're saying, though. It's um, this this uh, reattachment to God that kind of starts after this album, it makes me think what you were saying about 808s and how self-consumed it is and how God isn't really part of it. Like that continues on to my beautiful dark twisted fantasy, but he starts taking like the baby steps towards something like Jesus. Like he starts bringing people into his life. He starts becoming a little bit more open and I think willing to tackle the issues of fame and loneliness and that maybe he wasn't ready quite to take on on 808s and heartbreak where he's just steeped in depression and loneliness like there's nothing i can do about it and this is where i'm at my beautiful dark twisted fantasy like the Jesus spirit kind of comes out a little bit like it's starting to break out yet it's also really hard and really consuming and it's yucky like it, that mix of like bright and dark throughout the album it's god it's incredible it's just incredible that someone can pull that off that has to be like the toughest thing to talk about subject matter so dark and so forlorn and depressive yet make it kind of blow up and be colorful and it just powerful powerful become music like you've never heard before music you can dance to music that you can run to it's it's such an accomplishment it really it truly is and I, there was just something to that idea of uh, you know on 808s I, i've 
I think that there's a groundedness with college dropout, late registration, even graduation, even though that starts to have some inflation, like with Barry Bonds or Can't Tell Me Nothing, the ego is kind of starting to take over and make things dramatic. But on 808s and Heartbreak, you have a song uh, like Welcome to Heartbreak, where Ye's very honest about feeling lonely and isolated, and he's just like poignant and telling you exactly what's wrong. Right. But we're not seeing him kind of react to it in the way that we see on My Beautiful Dark Twisted sure. Fantasy. It's like he's identifying it in these places on 808s and starting to realize like opening up his eyes looking around and seeing it for what it is and he's kind of at a loss of what to do Mm. like you get to pinocchio's story it's just like what do i do with this how do i feel better and instead of victory in a way of like i found nature and i go on hikes all the time (laughs) and now i'm happy we see descent right and that's the thing that jumps out to me about that difference between 808 to my beautiful dark twisted fantasy is that yay did it just <laughs> double down on being like fame makes me sad right it's like you know what i'm just gonna embrace being a monster totally that's it like i'm gonna get swept up in all of the lights and i'm gonna embrace being a monster and i'm gonna like have my crew that's like appalling like, I'm going to do all this, like, wild stuff, and you know what? Did not make me feel better. Yeah. Did not make me feel better in the least. But you're really seeing the schism start between reality and fantasy. And in Ye's discography, a lot, too. Like, right. even though College Dropout had a lot of, like, playing a character to it. Like, you're the College Dropout, you're the Dropout Bear, it's just my beautiful dark twisted fantasy really took a lot of the emotion that was so upfront and mm-hmm. grounded on 808s and turned it into cinema turned yes. it into uh, a a performance that we then see reoccur on Jesus it's like this is where the mask goes on and right. that moment is all of the lights like after jumping out the window on power mm. <laughs> like he puts the mask on and he wears that mask up through life of Pablo where he starts trying to take it off and is being like, can I even take it off? Yeah. That's, that's such a good point. Cause I think about like, there is a narrative to like something like the college dropout, but there's something about it that almost feels like a little like step by step. Like we move from this point to that point, to this point, to that point of kind of like kind of trying to become famous. And we, it, and it's this like kind of broader look at it towards my beautiful dark twisted fantasy feels very uh personalized like you're really in the shit with them um and that jump from 808s to my beautiful dark twisted fantasy i think you're saying it right like it is cinema it becomes like this kind of blown up story in a way that goes beyond just kanye and looking at kanye's story it becomes this evaluation of like what happens to somebody in this society who wants to be famous like this is what could happen to you like this is what this drive that's instilled in people in this country this is where it can lead like it's not all you know roses and what's other what's something else that's nice uh sunshine (laughs) it's it's there's thunder and lightning there's darkness um it becomes this critique of america in that way so it's both very internal and very personalized 
and very revealing of Kanye himself. But at the same time, he kind of opens it up a little bit and makes it larger than himself. It makes it about something bigger that we can all relate to. It's it, it's just incredible. Like I, that's the wave that he starts to be on from here on out. Like that's kind of the yeah. energy you're always getting from his narratives. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Yeah, it's staggering in the best in the best of ways we have a podcast and about it so yeah <laughs> it's going to be fun to dive in over the course of what's going to be like pretty much like two dozen hours of conversation <laughs> about about this album and the narrative and in case anybody's like skeptical of our earlier discussion on wizard of oz you can just watch the runaway movie it's on youtube yeah and yay just apes the runaway movie in that with the phoenix <laughs> being dorothy but it's the same story like kind of there where you have this person that's from another world land in this world and want to go back to the previous world except like Gay's the one that's kind of stuck in Oz, right? In the other case, but and he's also referenced Wicked in the past, right? Yeah, that was another big clue, and one of the things that we already had the Wizard of Oz when we first formulated this theory like seven years ago or <laughs> whatever it was. We already were making the comparisons to Wizard of Oz, uh, but then we found out that Ye had tweeted at the time that he was recording my beautiful dark twisted fantasy before it even came out. It was like yeah. 2010, like mid 2010, he tweeted that he loved wicked and that he had seen it four times and that it was his story and wicked's the prequel to the wizard of Oz. That's the, right. the, the history of yeah. The wicked witch when she was just like a normal witch. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. And what, what turned her into the monster that she would become. And, the structure of that story is much different than Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Um, but it seems like Ye used the Wizard of Oz structure, which I'm sure some people would be like, reach, that's a reach. Yeah, right. But it uh, fits fits for us. I mean, if you're going to get really specific, like you could call it a reach, like this doesn't match this and this story. But if you want to blow it up a little bit, you, you see Kanye react this way to stories and movies all the time, like based on his attachment to wicked you could see why he loves there will be blood like it's a story about this guy who's consumed by capitalism and making it in america you can see how he relates to akira like this technology this this entity that consumes this kid and like turns him into something like every piece of art kanye references i guess in terms of movies anyway like you you see kind of see the same patterns happening yeah and it's something where it's easy to go from him looking at wicked and just Rewatching Wizard of Oz and being like, hey, that's what I. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's just like one step. It's not like we're saying that he loved Wicked and then <laughs> saw some like YouTube video that has 5,000 views that made like one comment and he's referring to that, which led to this whole other movie. It's like Wizard of Oz is a big, is a big thing. Yeah. Um, and directly connected to Wicked. 
And when we're talking about feeling like your life is a fantasy, um, right? It just seems like that lines up very much as well. So, um, yeah, Runaways like it gives more insight into the album and into some of the critiques that he's making as well. Uh, if you've never watched it, you should go do that immediately. Absolutely. It's mm. So good. Gosh, you're making me want to go watch it right now. Should we pause? <laughs> let's 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 resume in a second. <laughs> There's just like a 40 minute gap in our recording. <laughs> Nothing happens. Right, always is. It's just standard for us, professional podcasting. Yeah. Well, um, any other like, what are you looking forward to? Like, what do you think we're going to discover this season? I or have we discovered it all already? There's nothing left. Part of me, I say it every season. Yeah, part of me feels like we've discovered everything there is to discover and nothing will surprise us. But It'll something happen. will absolutely surprise us. I think the thing that I'm personally most interested in is where I'm going to end up ranking Lost in the World because this is one that was my favorite song in the album for a bit and then fell down to like middle of the album in terms mm. of my rankings and i think is currently like rising back up to where like i'm really interested to see where it ends this season yeah i mean this is the show you need in your life for that kind of thing to happen because uh, the the best part of lost in the world is the fact that it comes at the end and it's kind of this release from everything you've gone through on the album and everything Connie's experienced. Like it, it, I've said many times on the show, it's one of my absolute favorite Connie songs. It was in my top 10 for a long time. Uh, that, that release, that, that culmination of everything that happens on the album. Like, I feel like that that's why half the time I end up liking the last song on a Connie album, like so much. He's such a master of narrative and, and building to this moment. And it's a, like, it's a Pinocchio story situation. Like it just so perfectly like ends it like, yeah, like that's it. Yet at the same time, like there's more, like it never, it teases a little bit. It doesn't completely like close the lid on something. It's, ah, it's perfect. It is. I think mm. the, I guess the other thing when I think about it, the first time we did My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, we weren't necessarily looking at samples and interpolations sure. in the way that we eventually realized we needed to. So I think it was the first like seven songs. Yeah. We kind of skipped on that aspect of it. Yeah, so right. I'm very curious to see like if anything huge comes up in any of the samples or interpolations. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think the thing I'm looking forward to most this season, um, as we've kind of talked about, just fitting it into like his lifelong discography narrative. Like, I, I feel like this is the album of all albums that's going to like point to a lot of different, like thinking of just Donda alone, like thinking of how he went from this to something like that. Like, I'm really interested because we haven't gone back through this album in such a long time. Like, this uses in the life of Pablo each. I mean, each of the albums, I'm going to have this reaction. But I feel like this is the first uh, revisit we've done because we've revisited College Dropout through 808. It's like, this is the one where I'm like, I'm going to start seeing things that built to this specifically and that specifically. All the stuff we've been covering in real time. 
um, in a way that I just don't think we've gotten with his past albums. I know. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. I'm also really excited to talk about one song in particular, um, a song that we'll be talking about shortly when we do our rankings, and I'll just leave it at that. Okay. Well, should we get into our rankings? Absolutely. All right. So with the rankings, we like to do it at the start of the season. If this is your first episode, my goodness. But (laughs) we like to rank the songs at the start of the uh, season. And then when we're done with the season, we do a a post-cap episode. And we rank the songs at the end and kind of make a comparison to see what rose, what fell, what surprised us. So these are our initial rankings for My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Ooh, how exciting. Again, I have deja vu. Didn't I do this already? Right. I kind of wanted to find my previous list (laughs) just to see what had shifted between even last year and right now. Should we? Should I pull that up? Uh, Do you have it? I'm pretty sure it's somewhere in my Google Drive. I'll look for it, but if I don't have it. Oh, wait, I, I have your rankings right here. Okay. If can yours you, popped up before mine did. <laughs> can you... Uh, yeah, let me oh, share yeah, this. Just, just oh, you're in there. in there. Oh, no, wait. This is your new one, isn't it? Yeah, that's my new one. Oh, JK. Okay. Well, now you saw all my rankings. I didn't look at them, though, so don't worry about okay. it. Okay. Okay, good. I good, do have... Good. Okay, I have my old rankings here, too. Should, should I go through those as well? Yeah. Do you okay. see any, like, big changes? Uh, if anything jumps out... Um. Yeah. I'll just... I'll note them as we go through. Okay, I'll try and find mine. You can you can start. Uh, it's funny how similar it is actually. Wow, pretty similar. Anyway, so we're starting. We're including the outro and the interlude, correct? Yes. Okay. So this is the kind of situation we had on Donda where I have to like rank. You know, uh, I found mine. Yeah. Oh, great. Um, what what's that song everyone hates on on Donda? Uh, tell. Tell the vision. Oh, tell the vision. Yeah, yeah. So it's that situation where I'm trying to like, tell the vision against like off the grid. It's ridiculous. But <laughs> um, I guess I, I hate to do this. I don't want to rank any song last from this album. But I do. I feel obligated to rank the two like non songs at the bottom. So yeah. if I'm forced to do that, I'm putting all of the lights interlude at the bottom. Yeah, I also. So yes, we have the. All, all the tracks, right? Which includes the interludes. And I also have all the lights interlude. Which I 13. love that song though. Like even because I have, it's beautiful. like I just throw every Kanye song on my running playlist and just keep it. And if all the lights interlude comes on, like it puts a pep in my step. Like even that song doesn't slow me down. I, I love it. Yeah, it's tremendous. It's beautiful. It's fragile. It's haunting. It's just <laughs> before all interlude. the light blows up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah crazy. Uh, it's just the songs have more dimensionality to it and it makes sense to respect the fact that they're full songs so yeah uh, and then i got who will survive in america which i guess if i if i really wanted to do something controversial i could rank this higher because i love it so much because of the structure of the album and it's kind of the cap to everything but i i did put it in 12th place yeah i same thing i could have moved it higher i think at least like 11 yeah but it's it's i have it above all the lights interlude just because gil scott heron his performance the lyrics like i'll take lyrics over like beautiful strings sure yeah so 
I mean, if it's bad lyrics, I'll take beautiful strings, but <laughs> it's like poignant. I like the, the B like, so who will survive in America ends up at 12. All right. So then my number 11 this time is the same number 11 I had last time, which is so appalled. Uh, also my number 11 and was my previous number 11. Wow. This is exciting to get four rankings at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely not if annoying. Our if our show wasn't <laughs> doing too much to begin with. <laughs> I mean, maybe rankings. I should go back and find our rankings that we did back in 2016. Oh my goodness. Um, find them. So I, I love So Appalled to Death. Like, again, there's not a single song in this album that's a miss and not a single one I would take off my running playlist. So like, you know that I'm not dissing this song at all. But if I, I guess if I had to put something at the bottom, I, I you know, the, the, the posse tracks, like I love them, but they're just, they're, I love when Kanye is weird. I love when Kanye is like a storyteller. I love when he's cinematic, like so appalled is kind of the most traditional in a way of like all the songs on the album and why I love everybody on it. Like I like myself a, a Kanye song where it's just Kanye, Kanye doing his thing. So I, I, I have to put it at the bottom. Yeah. I, I always thought my reasoning was really good and that people, <laughs> once they heard it would be like, yeah, that makes sense. That's fine. And nobody ever accepts my reasoning, but it's just to me, it's the song on the album that has the least yay on it. And it's true. I, I want my songs to have more yay rather than less. <laughs> so if one song has like drastically less yay on it, that's a song that's probably going to end up last on the rankings, unless it's just something with like production right. or concept and. With this, it's just the one that has the least amount of yay. Right. Other verses are fantastic on it. I love like what everybody's doing. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just the one that I'm most excited when it transitions to Devil in a New Dress and we get more yay. Yeah, right. Like we've said this on the show before, Chris. Like your love of art and Kanye, it's all about math in the end. Like, <laughs> <laughs> is there enough that like there's less Kanye on this than that? So like the equation says it's worse yeah i do i do <laughs> somehow turn discussions on the intangibles of art into mathematical i love it i love it um so by this logic by the way praise god is like your least favorite song on donda right which is funny no you think that it would be but it's just like the so, weirdness of that song yeah and the 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 beats and yeah Wow, so the algorithm was off on that song, but usually the the, the math works out. Usually, yeah, it's it's a hundred percent right seventy percent of the time. God, I'm looking I'm looking at my number ten. I'm wondering if I should swap number ten to number nine. I'm not going to. I'm going to stick with it. Okay. Um, and this ranking is the same as my last list, and this is one of my controversial ones. Um, and I know it's people are going to be in, up, in an uproar about it. It's going to be in the headlines tomorrow, but I'm going to say it. Uh, number 10 for me is gorgeous. Ooh, man. Yeah, you've always been uh, less <sighs> less of a fan of gorgeous than everybody else in the world. Which I, is... I hate it because like even you saying that, like it feels wrong. Like I have a Kanye podcast. I probably do love gorgeous more than most people in the world. <laughs> um, right. I 
again, like kind of what I said of So Appalled, like I like myself a Kanye who's being weird as shit. Um, while I I do love lyrical Kanye, like his lyricism in this song is incredible. Uh, just like the flow, the production, like everything about it is a little standard. Even God, even calling it standard is ridiculous because it sounds so incredible. Uh, but it compared to everything on the album, uh, I'm just somebody who really like my favorite movie is Showgirls, and I want every song to be Showgirls. And Gorgeous isn't really Showgirls, you know. It's like it's this really like well thought out masterpiece and like very detailed. Like hmm, those are all like good points, and like this is very well done. But it's not a song that gets to be jazzed. So you're saying it's too perfect and too great for you to love. Yes, that's correct. Uh, Travis, Travis, Travis. I do love it, though. You're going to hear how much I love it when we talk about it. I will redeem myself. Yes, of course, of course, of course. Uh, At number, this was 10 that we're talking about. I have one that's going to make people mad, maybe even more so than your pick. Oh, wow. And it was my number 10 last time, but all of the lights... Oh, all the lights. I thought you were going to say something else. Yeah, well, I, I knew this about you, though. Um, that does, that has a lot of Kanye on it, though. Although a lot of other people are in there clouding it up. Is that why you don't like <laughs> right? it? No, I, I don't know what it is. There's just like something. It's not that I don't like it. I love it. It's awesome. I get hyped every time yeah, it comes on. It's but the 10th best song ever. Yeah, it's just. There's something about Ye's like flow on it, and then the Fergie portion. Like, I tend to like verses more than refrains, mm-hmm. and it's one of the few songs where I like the refrains more than the verses. Sure, um, I get that. And so that just kind of has it, and I don't think it has like sections that hit me quite as hard as some of the other songs. So when I'm looking at them, it's like. So appalled has the least amount of yay and all the lights has like the fewest lyrical moments that I'm like super into. Right. I really like what the song is doing, especially as it serves as kind of our introduction to the Oz total aspects. It serves of, purpose. Yeah, this album. So in terms of the importance on the album, it would be ranked super highly, but just in terms of yeah. my love for it compared to some of the love I have for the other songs. Number 10. Yeah. That doesn't surprise me with you. Like I think of you as somebody who loves something like blame game, you know, like something that's very intentional and postmodern. And like, like, I guess I don't think of you as somebody who loves like bright bubbly, like all over the place stylized kind of thing. Like you really like something that's, focused and like doing something very specific and all of the lights is like it's craziness you know it's it's meant to be as manic as it is yeah yeah all right uh number nine for me has not changed number nine for me is monster Ooh, posse cut yeah god i i damn it is crazy i could maybe move it up to number eight i'm not going to i'm going to stick with it um yeah it's I a little bit a little bit of that like a little I mean calling monster traditional is completely bad shit um but it it kind of is in a way you know like everyone gets their turn to like do their thing and there's a theme it, it's incredible song uh I still defend Jay-Z to this day like trust me I'm, I'm yeah. a huge fan um and I have a lot of history with it 
Um, but for whatever reason, like all of the the nostalgia and like love I have for it and the and the weirdness of it, like all of that combined, like it just doesn't. That's how good this album is. Like all the other songs, just like are doing a little bit more. Was it? Did you say it was your previous number nine as well? Yes. Okay. So you've been like yours have stayed yeah. the exact same. I did so not far, consult right? the list last time, so or yeah. this time. Um, so my eleven and ten were the same, but my nine's different. Hmm. My previous nine was gorgeous, and I adore gorgeous. So it was just crazy that yeah. it's that low. But right now, I have actually. No, I'm gonna make another switch and this is going to make people mad i was going to say this is the song i what i think you're going to say is the song i thought you were going to say before yeah i have devil in a new dress at nine and that's my number eight so we can just go ahead and talk about it at the same time yeah it was my previous number eight it was my oh it was my previous number seven so it's moved down (laughs) it's moved down for both of us (laughs) uh this is a song that has incredible moments and like we both say magic hour all the time right oh like, i mean i love i love the song magic hour, the magic hour and of course the rick ross like feature incredible. is incredible there's just something about like kind of the i'm not as into slower songs like this as everybody else uh-huh. so there's something just about kind of some of the production that I like a little bit more of the the pace and energy of the songs that I have ranked higher. And I like how weird those songs are. So it's like Devil in a New Dress, while it's very like beautiful and has this kind of like uh like ooziness to mm-hmm. it. This like cool ooziness to totally. it. Totally. Um especially with when the guitar kind of comes in. It's a song that struts I, around. Yeah, I just don't think it's as weird as the others, and I like the weirdness of the others. Yeah, so. I actually, I've always been a little surprised Kanye fans love it as much as they do. Um, like I get liking something like I guess, and now that I'm thinking about it, it's like Runaway in a lot of ways. Like it has like, it's massive. It has this like gigantic presence, you know. And it's so um, effortless in the way it like feels cool and navigates like all of this really interesting like instrumentation. Like it, it's a song that just like oozes confidence. So I guess I get why people like it, but to me, it's not on the level of something like Runaway that really feels transcendent and like does all kinds of different things throughout and reaches like this high emotional place that. I know I'm experiencing something like truly different. I just have never really gotten that with Devil in a New Dress. Like impresses the hell out of me every time I hear it. I love it. Like I have it ranked number eight. I don't have it at the bottom or anything. Like I, I think it's great, but yeah, I don't know why. It's just like a weird, that's a weird separation I've always had between me and, and Kanye fans. What's funny, I remember the exact moment I realized people love the song more than I thought they were doing a a poll on our Kanye back in the day. I think Mm. it was like 2015, 2014 our Kanye or something. And uh, it was an elimination to see what was the best song. We hadn't started the best song tournament yet. I don't think, but 
Devil in a New Dress came in second yeah and was close to beating runaway wow and everybody was kind of surprised by it in the comments yeah but everybody was kind of like discovering that they loved the song as much as all these other people Hmm. and it was this very like illuminating thing and ever since then it it was consistent across like reddit twitter instagram like anywhere the yay fans gathered yeah our song <laughs> tournament it won this last year right it won the um year before i think it was the third year yeah okay because it, it was, was runaway then saint pablo then i think devil in a new dress no no wait no, no. it was runaway uh blood on the, blood leaves. the leaves my bad yeah i should know this <laughs> then devil in a new dress maybe it was out of saint pablo you're right it was one of those years yeah man that's coming up soon too. Ooh, and then flashing lights. I, after flashing lights, one I have no idea what song could win from now on. Like it's <laughs> completely up in the air. I think it's gonna be power, right? It's crazy if it's not power. If it's not like it's you know it's gonna be like power or ghost town or probably like power. Probably power though. Yeah, you're right. Donda songs did it do well in the last tournament, so <laughs> I don't know if they'll ever they do, do well. Off the grid is the only one I could say ever would legitimately have a shot. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, come to life. So come to life, of course. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. That was your that was your number eight was yeah. Devlin in your dress. So my number eight is Dark Fantasy, which previously mm. this had been my number seven. Mm. So it dropped a spot, um, which is kind of wild to me. Interesting. But yeah, Gorgeous was the one that went up above it. Oh, wait, I didn't reveal that yet. Anyway, well, <laughs> Dark Fantasy's at eight. Uh, amazing it has one of my favorite stretches on the album uh when he's just talking about like oh uh like rebuild the energy yeah. like rekill the enemy like that stretch is so cool to me man um and what's worse the pain or the hangover ah, see this is, should go higher i was gonna say like I dark fantasy higher, is so though. incredible like I, i'm just it, it's just a weird thing i can't define like i don't know why people love devil in the new dress more than something like dark fantasy like to me this song oozes confidence and like has such energy and presence like it could have easily become a devil in the dress i don't know what propelled devil in the dress to those heights necessarily but yeah i think dark fantasy is just on another level that guitar the guitar riff on devil in a new dress and rick ross yeah it does it yeah yeah i mean i get it i'm not dissing the song but you know i know but dark fantasy is like it sets it's such a mood setter like yay's delivery on those first verses fantastic like all the verses are fantastic uh oh gosh Mercy i'm making some shifts now after the first keep... year that i blow they say broken spanish <laughs> me <Mito> ablo <laughs> oh man okay yeah great song we're gonna be talking about it shortly so i guess we don't need to get into it too much okay okay um number seven which last time for me number seven was devil in a new dress and now my number seven was my number eight last time 
which I'm sorry, Chris, to do this to you, is blame game. Hey, at least it rose a spot. Yeah, that's true. Uh, love the song to death. I mean, I listened to it recently, and you know, I had headphones on, and it's just like those voices bouncing back and forth. Like, yeah, the song really is on another level. Like, it is an art exhibit. Like, it's truly transcendent in that way. I think that what I always fall back on though is like there are just other songs I want to listen to more. Uh, even in the context of the album, like I, I'm more excited yeah. for other songs. And as a song song, it's not like a real song, uh, which is stupid to say, but whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I, I love this song to death and I can't wait to talk about it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm glad it's risen up just a little bit. <laughs> uh, I spoiled my number seven. It is gorgeous. Yep. And gorgeous is one and talked about it the first time we talked about it. I'll do a deep dive into it the second time we talk about it, but it's one of the best examples of how Ye uses vignettes in his lyricism to really like give structure to a verse, to bring in different ideas, to just give visuals that aren't just thoughts or aren't just like clever remarks, Mm. but he gives you like two to three lines where you're a person place like scene setting and you really get this like visual of an interaction and it can be very brief just like take them glasses off and get in the pool she told the director she's trying to get into school he said take them glasses off and get in the pool that in and of itself is such a statement about like this dynamic between those with power and those who are younger and looking to like uh, establish themselves right. and yeah. how that works like the male female dynamic in industries like this uh, the what's valued what's I, there's so much that's just like stated yeah. in those two lines without Ye actually having to say it but because he's giving you that vignettes it's all of the themes and subtext of it and gorgeous is just full of vignette after vignette after vignette after vignette that he just strings them along and you're getting a ton of depth without him actually saying like this is what i'm talking about or like telling you it's such a great example of how great of a storyteller Ye is by showing right and i think people really like his rapping on it while maybe overlooking some of what makes him an amazing storyteller and why we will say like Ye's just as good of a storyteller as Kendrick or J. Cole or Jay-Z. Mm-hmm. And people are like, no, he's not. Cause he doesn't do like, he doesn't have a song that's like right. this just straight up. And it's like, no, but he's doing this and nobody <laughs> else is doing it. Chris, you just got to create a math equation for him that resolutely <laughs> says like, no, this is true. Maybe I can figure it out if Y equals Y for yay, you know? Uh, all right. We're on to number six. Mm-hmm. For me, I, God, I was sitting here actually changing the positions of five and six a little bit, but I'm going to go ahead and go with what I had, which is what I had last time. I'm now realizing. Uh, number six for me is Dark Fantasy. Uh, okay. Love it. Love it to death. Uh, maybe I can't quite put it up further i don't know what's keeping me from doing it because it's like it's so theatrical like it's not necessarily like a song song in a way um 
but I, I love it for being theatrical. So I guess that's not a good reason. I don't know. It's at number six, though. Okay, that's fair. That's yeah. fine. My number six, I think, is... I don't know how I feel about it. <laughs> okay. It was previously my number four. I'm just trying something different right now. Sure. You know? I, seeing this is a free open space, safe space. <laughs> Between us, not on... Yeah, not no. on you will be pummeled. Yeah, but I have power at number six right now. That was the one I almost moved to number six. <laughs> yeah, I had it at four previously, and it's dropped down to six as a couple others have risen up. I love power. Uh, I mean, yeah. It still has some of... I think that second verse on power is one of Ye's best verses of all time. Um and how he's sampling the dynamics, the way that this song serves as a transition to the rest of the album, like a gateway to the dark twisted fantasy. Yeah. Means that it's like a very important song on the track. Oh man. And the clapping and the sample. Am I crazy? I don't know. It's just how good Kanye is that he can have five songs better than this. (laughs) Yeah. There's just something about like the vibe of the other five songs that I'm really like feeling at the moment. And I was re-listening to the album this week. And just when the songs that I had above it came on, I found myself kind of just having a little bit more of that spark of like, oh, yeah, here we go. Um, Yeah, I totally get that. Like, even though the song isn't commercial, like Kanye says it is, like, I kind of get why how he gets to that point and thinks of it that way. Like when you compare power to something like devil in a new dress or Runaway, like it almost starts to feel ordinary in a way. It's definitely not like I, I listened to it recently and was really blown away by it. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of get that. That's, that's why I have it at five. Like the four I have above it to me are like, there's something next level, like celestial about them to where his power. I listen to it. I'm like, this is so well done. This is so impressive but it's not quite a Kanye song that like I like I, that makes me think I should have put it at number six, but I'm just going to keep it here at number five. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. That's fine. It was my number um, five last time too. Man. So your list is almost identical so far, but we're going to see some changes. Okay. Um, my number five is monster, which had previously been my number six. Mm. I just, fucking love monster yeah i mean what what else is there to say other than like it's monster right like i think yay saying i call it malibu yeah is still one of my favorite like a top 10 moment in yay's discography to me if i'm just going like straight up line that always cracks me up and that i look forward to hearing like that one uh, it has so many good lines yeah it's incredible love it Uh, and that it's one of the few songs like I know Ye has a lot of posse songs and that a lot of the time everybody sticks to the theme, but there's something just kind of like epic about this theme and the fact that it like started Nikki's entire yeah. like A list career. Like it didn't start her career, but her right. A list career, I think it kind of kicked off and yay's verse i don't think you get that attitude and energy and tone from any other verse in his discography at this point there's such arrogance and there's such untouchability ah yeah yeah and jay's a zombie of no conscience i mean it has everything i love jay-z's portion like him like (laughs) the millionaire 
the millionaire bar it's incredible and millionaire and spilling their feelings in the air like getting that like syllable rhyme yeah and mm. love it love it love it love it uh number four for me used to be number three it is all of the lights uh i think you already okay. heard me just pour out my feelings about how i love that song so no need to go further into that okay <laughs> um Mine will probably be a little more controversial of a number four. Every choice is controversial. <laughs> I know. Uh, I got. I have run away at number four. Ah, that that's th- for our show. I I kind of get that. Like we go really go into the weeds of like you know something like how the life or blame game, like sussing those songs out. Like run of the way, run away. Like it almost feels ordinary compared to those, just because like it's so specific of what it's doing. You know. Yeah, it's. I'm on record a lot of (laughs) saying I really like dimensionality. Like the more, like, twists and turns a song kind of takes, or the the more weird choices it does. I I really like. It's one of the things that the reasons I put "Diamonds from Sierra Leone" the original song as my favorite song on late registration at this point, just because that song is so unfolding right? where that second verse is like wildness that I'm just in love with it. And Runaway is one of the most striking and powerful songs in Ye's entire discography. And it enraptures me every time I hear it. But as you're saying, it is just so specific to that thing that the dimensionality of the songs that i have ahead of it kind of went out for me yeah i mean i have it at my number three it used to be my number two it's uh, i I agree with you that like the one dimensionality that like maybe that's why i don't quite catapult it but listening to runaway is not like listening to any other song in the world no so absolutely like, not the transcendence you find on that song like that is the 2001 a space odyssey moment of the album like it it has a power that songs don't have so i it has to be high but i think you kind of said like the reason the other songs are higher is it's because of this show <laughs> because we really yeah. go in there and we find stuff out and like songs expose themselves and reveal themselves to be deeper than we thought they were and it, it doesn't necessarily necessarily make them better than runaway it's just like there's more to discover we like that about them yeah it's like i think the listening experience runaway might be the, like the best song sure. in the album yeah as you're just like swept up in it but in terms of like the concepts the concept like when we start getting like logical <laughs> the, um, the sexiest thing to do in podcasting <laughs> yeah uh there's just things of the other songs and that's not even to say that like every time i listen to blame game i just feel blown away by by it so it's not like these other songs have no power it's just they have power maybe a little less than runaway but also maybe doing a lot more yeah right okay so we're on the number two we're almost there oh wait i didn't do my number three oh, my bad go ahead um blame game i got blame game at number three i kind of thought that'd be two or one it had been number two wow that's what i was talking about wow like so blame game i love and adore and i feel like is one of the most underrated songs in ye's entire discography um and i'm looking forward to our episode on it where hopefully we convince other people (laughs) that 
it's amazing <laughs> and they should never skip the outro. <laughs> oh gosh, you can't skip the outro. Oh. Never, yeah, you're right. That's the new mission we have. It. Yeah. All right. Number two. I think we probably have the same number two, number one, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna guess. I think so. Uh my number two this time was my former number one, and that is Lost in the World, which I think is a big moment for me. Because I, for a long time, it was my absolute favorite Kanye song. Um, songs have taken over since. Like, I think Waves has probably taken over. And Ghost Town had taken over at some point. Um, but yeah, Lost in the World. I've always loved it to death. I love it as a cap to the album. Bon Iver, like the images, the yeah. the poem, uh, the lead into Who Will Survive in America. I mean, everything about the song is just perfect. When this was one of the songs that we did do the interpolations right. and yeah. samples <laughs> and the Michael Jackson oh, stuff that comes mom, in, mom, in the song. Say. Yeah. It just yeah. like elevates it to such like another level. But even back, I remember when I first, when I heard this album for the first time being so blown away by blame game. And then when lost in the world came on, I just kept going back to lost in the world yeah. over and over again because it's amazing like i never i didn't want it to end yeah and it's it's cool yeah. because it's a song that like it kind of isn't really like a traditional song like the sort of beginning middle and end like the verses that build on each other the chorus that like has a new element added to it at some point like it's a song that just kind of like feels like it should keep going and it does keep going i guess into who will survive in america but yeah. it's a song that like has momentum the whole time and and then just like comes crashing to an end all of a sudden you know it's such a it's like the postmodernist yay at work here like it's such a cool way to approach a song it's i don't know i, I agree with you like that feeling the best way to describe it is like you just want to listen to it again <laughs> like it has that <laughs> weird effect on you yeah, and there's something with like the pacing where it starts so slow and starts to ramp up and then not only does the music pick up when you transition from Bonavere into or Justin Vernon into Ye's first verse, but then when you start getting to that pacing and rhythm of the poem, mm. it's just such like a an increase in the words per minute. <laughs> Yeah, right. Aspect of it that the Math. song just like keeps picking up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, it's my number two as well. It was my number five. So it's jumped oh, up wow. three spots. Yeah. Wow. Big change. Yeah. Um, the next one's a big one for me. A big jump for me. It was my number four before. And Chris, I got to say, you've been on this train since the beginning, right? Yeah. Okay. Since the early days. I think when we first may have ranked the album in like 2016 2017 i might have still had runaway at one hmm. this was always like one two or three right and i think since we did our initial episode on it it's been like one or two between this and blame game for a long time hmm. but for the last like few years now it's been number one for me i mean uh, this is the song where it, it has just become something I, I, I feel like I remember the moment actually like I've listened to this on a million times but it's it's it, maybe you're sick of me referencing my running playlist but it came up on a run I had once and I don't know you, you never know like why 
like whatever moment you're in the the energy the space like the sometimes the song just hits you in a way that like it clicks and i remember specifically a run i was on and like hell of a life kind of clicked in a way that it had it before like i understand the song i know what it's doing and you'll hear us talk about it but like it suddenly revealed itself to be this ethereal entity like it 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 stepped up a level and became something i was like oh god like if someone wants to understand how incredible kanye west is they need to listen to and understand hell of a life they have to listen to hell of a life like a million times (laughs) until they get it (laughs) and then the second it clicks they'll be like holy shit this guy's on a different level like so, so now that song has that energy to me and like at this point, I think it's my number one Kanye song, period. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that makes me so happy to hear. Yeah. I knew you'd be happy uh, to hear that. I would, I might put it over, I thought about killing you Ooh, at yeah. this point. It's, I mean, it. that's one, it, it's one, two right now between that and Hell of a Life, which is so atypical. Yeah, right. <laughs> but yeah, there's just something, I. it's the, the grunginess of the production, but yet how melodic it is and how much it just kind of flows. So you're getting this grunge, but it never like slows, which I find very interesting. And it's kind of a dark song. Oh yeah. But it pops continuously with these like bright vocals and like bright production elements. And (laughs) yeah. And you get the kind of this like, beauty throughout even though it's talking about these like very heavy things and just like some of the bars in each of the verses are just like bars right they're bars 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 they're bars on bars on bars where i find them so fascinating and it's like there's a whole scene that's playing out like a, a story that's playing out of course across all three verses but each verse is in itself its own little chapter and yeah. mini scene like the vignettes that i talk about on gorgeous or that we'll talk about on gorgeous yeah are just like doubled and tripled in terms of the audacity <laughs> on this song um and i think it's the embodiment of the album totally that's what that's what i wanted to ultimately get at like it's tough because i don't want to going through the lyrics too much and like reveal too much. I, it'll be so much better if we just wait until we get to the episode, but it really does. Like it perfectly captures what Kanye's trying to say in the album and really Kanye just in general, especially at that stage in his life. Like it's such a perfect statement on fame (laughs) and like your place in the world and how lonely you can feel like every image every line like the way it sounds the way it feels the way it ends again we'll get into it but like (laughs) all of that like perfectly sums up what it's like to be kanye west somebody who's trying to become famous and then it's just like you hit a wall and it's and it's awful like this song captures all that in the the twisted fantasy as well because it's like the setting is like a fantasy that he's having so it's just like it's the album within the album and that meta aspect and relationship that it has to everything else. It's like everything kind of leads up to it and then spins out 
from it. It's the climax on the album. And even though Runaway feels like the climax on the album, the true like thematic narrative climax is hell of a life. That, that's the other great part of it is like it comes after Runaway. It comes after this beauty, which is why I think a lot of people probably don't like it. But that actually makes it better once you realize what it's doing. Like, it's a perfect follow-up to Runaway. Like, it is supposed to be ugly and confrontational, and it doesn't want you to like it almost. <laughs> like, everything about it's just, like, the energy, the the, the aura around it. So once you once it clicks, like, it's, it's the best. Yeah. it's And hopefully this is what, you know, causes it to click for everyone and... <laughs> They'll hear our episode and be like, damn, Chris and Trev. Yeah. You nailed it. It's just the perfect case of like, we always talk about it showing, not telling. Like this song is like the ultimate example of it. <laughs> Especially the end. Especially the end. I mean, my God. Okay, sorry. We won't go into it. I want to. Yeah. But yeah. Won't. Some people, you know, if you've heard the dissect season, you know the theory. We popularized the theory. Yeah, we came up the- with it first in this show back when we did our first season on it. So, Yeah. Um, and I think if you listen to the end on that episode, Cole gives us a nice shout yeah. outs, but it's one of the funniest things to be like <laughs> known for. Yeah. I'm proud of it. That's another reason I love this song. Like, I don't know. I, it's like such a, a crucial part of this show in a way. I can't wait to talk about it again. Yeah. So, all right. Those are our rankings. We'll see how they change. Yeah. From beginning to end. I think there's going to be uh, some changes. I think there's definitely room for shifts. Yeah. Like power might jump like way up. I mean, I'm sitting here thinking I'd move monster. Like there's so many position changes I want to make now, let alone, you know, 12 weeks from now. So, <laughs> well, so we will have all those episodes. We'll also have uh, some new merch dropping, I think maybe with this episode. Yeah. So we'll be promoting some merch. We'll have a, a few drops throughout the season with some different looks, some different designs. So hopefully you like the first one, hopefully you like all three, but you're going to be some limited edition, uh, only available for a short time merch. And yeah. we're starting off with just kind of a, a nice like watch the throne uh our first watch the throne like watching merch the throne that's well yeah our first watching <laughs> the throne merch that's inspired by our like our podcast yeah. rather than just like basic design so you can look forward to that if you want to support the channel that way and of course we have our twitter and youtube channel where we do the latest daily almost uh yay news available yeah and we have our movie website film classes for movie explanations yeah and we do have a patreon page where you know you could support us there you, you can donate as little as one dollar a month if you want and you get to listen to the show without ads yeah completely ad free at that point and there might be more ads this season than ever before <laughs> so sure. that might be something <laughs> that you enjoy yeah and then uh you know, we'll be having this season play out week after week uh, through the end of the year and have some bonus episodes for you along the way. Yeah. Oh, man, I'm excited. Well, then, should we hit them with it? Let's hit them. <laughs> Till next time. <laughs> keep it wavy. Or what is it? Stay wavy. Stay wavy and keep it. There we go. me they ask me they ask me i tell them
raise your glasses, your glasses, your glasses to the sky. This is the last call for alcohol.